0: Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. It is a brand new and Monday edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. And as always on Mondays, he joins us for Mondays with Meltzer from NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and
1: PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you doing? I am doing well. Um, we've all had a chance to catch our breath a little bit after just a bunch of crazy days. Uh, it, it's... Uh, now we're getting i think more towards the part of the off season when, when news comes in and drips and drives rather than you know a bunch at a time but uh it's already it's already been a busy off season and i i think there might be a few more you know a few more things to uh shake things up a little bit before before the they get together for training camp. So.
0: Let let me ask you you know the development camp scrimmage at the end the inner squad game there was a couple of guys that really popped out to me. I know you chance got a chance to view it on um, the YouTube stream, yeah. uh, but one of them is Bobby Brink. I thought he looked excellent in the game. I thought, you know, just by, I wasn't charting it as I was calling the game with Brian Smith, but I mean, seven or so high danger chances all from yeah. the same spot in the middle of the ice. I thought he moved. Bobby Brink's not a guy that moves extremely well. You know, his skating has always been a big question mark, but I thought he, he moved very well in the game. He had great burst. And when you're at his age, you should shine in that game. And I thought, certainly, think
1: that he did. No, for for sure. Um, and, and he was, It seemed that every time he was, every time he was on the ice, yeah, he was he was creating something. Something dangerous was uh, came and came out as a result. And, and uh, his side, they had the puck for long, long stretches too. Yeah. Um, and he was he was he was a big part of that, really. You know, real really played a dominant game, and, and you're right. I mean, you, you you view everything kind of a little bit on the curve. The guys are a little bit more experienced, um, have a, a pro season or two under their belt, have um, you know, been to a few of these camps. You expect you expect them to dominate, but but he he looked very very impressive. Um, hopefully, hopefully that's something he can take into the season because because of the hip surgery and in the uh, you know the usual time period it takes to get your game back really last year was not what, what he wanted or, or anybody really would have wanted from Bobby. So this is a big season for, him. um, I, I think he, he, doesn't come to camp with a job to lose. He comes, he comes to come to camp having to earn an opening night spot of if not opening night at some point during the season. And you couldn't have asked for a better start to it. And he did. He looked, uh, he looked quick, really quick the whole game.
0: The other guy that really popped to me, Bill was Emil Andre. And watching his game, you know, we have certain traits that we look for when we say, that's an NHL player. And to me, it's his economy of energy. The way he just moves on the ice, doesn't waste movements, knows when to take that chance and take, you know, take some of the energy he has to get up the ice. And not only did I think that he defended well, and he's a very stout, he might be not tall in stature, but he is very stout, like thick. But the thing that he did really well was vision of the ice, creating... You know, stretch passes to send his team the other way. I thought he, his vision of the game and the way he just carries himself on the ice, I just look at it and I go, that's an NHL player. I see it. It's all over him.
1: For sure. Uh, you, you love the way he competes. Yep. And, um, you know, he, he he's a. <laughs> I, I think it's just a matter of more fine tuning and adjusting. You know, some guys have major uh, fixes to make. I, I don't think Emil has that. I, I do think that. Um, he, he's all, you came in kind of knowing he was going to be a good power play guy and showed that right off the bat with the phantoms can run a power play. Um, uh, you know, defending wise, there's still some adjustments as as a smaller defenseman, but, but he never, he never, he never stops competing. He's always uh, very quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he has the low center of gravity too. Um, and so he's hard. He's hard to knock off the puck too, even though even though he's a smaller guy. Uh, so a lot, a lot of po- And this uh, is the poise part of it too. You, you just alluded to it. Uh, that that breakout pass ability he has is, is absolutely NHL caliber. Um, and I I thought it was really interesting um, because when you look at where the numbers are right now, the numbers game. I mean, Bren, Brent Flair, put it put it right out there after yeah. after the game said. I don't think he's very far away at all from being ready and uh, kind of said it's going to be towards his decision ultimately, but I think he's going to like, I think he's going to like what he sees in camp.
0: Yeah, he said know, my you, preference, he'd be here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Correct. So, you, you know, now you look at the numbers, if the numbers game right now uh, and um, as we're, as we're recording this, the, the uh, much rumored Tony D'Angelo trade, still has not happened yet. So he's still, you know, he's still part of the roster here, but, you, know, you, you want to they want to give Zamula a look. Um, you know, Steeler probably earned a spot in the top in the starting six based on the play last year. Um, you know, is Walker part of your starting six? Because because you know you know that Sanheim and ristalainen and, and York and Stahl all will be. So yeah. you're getting a, you're getting a numbers game there. So who so uh, you know who and Zamula being waiver being. Being no longer waiver exempt, you have to go through waivers. I don't, I don't you know. Right now, if you had to form uh, an opening night roster, there's there's going to be some tough decisions to make. Now listen, you know there, there's usually injuries of some kind. Guys will have play their way in or out during camp. Um, yeah, and it's not a guarantee that that even though he was a regular starter last season, you know the, the, the let's say Sealer, say Sealer has a couple tough weeks, maybe he sits a few games. I don't know. Yeah. That'll that'll all play itself out, but uh, but but Brent really threw a gauntlet down there. Like, okay, uh, if I had my way, he he'd be on the roster. And you have that whole issue as to whether he's going to have to play in Sweden if not in the NHL, or will be he'll be able to be loaned to the AHL if he goes has to go back to Sweden. And he's not really a call up option until the next year. So yeah. that, that that's part of the equation too. But he he doesn't look he doesn't look far away at all. I I, I thought that. Yeah, that, that was another guy that that jumped out. Um, Alex Bump, who's always been, he's always had good hands, so he's he's yeah, always great been a finish. Oh, yeah, at, finish. Every, at, at every level. But how about how about that uh, top shelf goal, the short side that he scored yeah. from from a little bit of okay. distance? I, that was that yep. that was a finisher's goal right there. So, yeah. um, and and uh, you know, I mean, just just a good variety of players. I liked several of the young defensemen. Hunter McDonald looked good. I thought mm. Oliver Bump looked good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bonk. Um, in talking to Nick Schultz after the game, I thought he just—he's he, a—he defended really well using the assets that he has. He kind of like envelops guys and just kills plays. And I thought he was—you know—he's got some work to do before he gets to the NHL, and he, you know he's just drafted. Uh, but he's got some raw skills there for sure, which, which I really liked. Um, the other thing you mentioned, Tony D'Angelo, we're obviously on, this is the 10th of July and as a recording, he has not been dealt in ninth was the day that they said he could. Is this just a matter of one of these two things, Bill, is it either, well, it was Sunday. So nobody really wanted to work on Sunday and register a trade, or is it more the, the Carolina hurricanes are waiting on Eric Carlson?
1: Uh, I think it's the latter. Um, you know, and, and they, they have some things to figure, figure out. So, I, I think where Carlson ends up going does ultimately determine, okay, do they pull the trigger on D'Angelo or not? If that if that were to fall through, uh, the Flyers would have to find another trade. I mean, honestly, honestly, the, the way that the, at least the rumor trade was constituted, it was really just the getting rid of the player as subtraction because you, you feel a need to subtract, you know, and then backfill. It's, this isn't really a hockey trade. This is really a getting getting the player out kind of a trade. So um, I guess there might be a similar kind of a deal out there. I mean, you know, D'Angelo, D'Angelo, if you're eating 50%, which is what was rumored. Two and, a half million, uh, uh, two and a half million to me, it's almost a no-brainer. If you have the cap space, you add him if you're a contender. It, it, if, not, if nothing else, Tony and D'Angelo can help your power play. Yeah. And the fact that the Flyers were – last in the NHL in the power play again to me was not on Tony D'Angelo. That was just, it was just the team had a weak power play, you know, but uh, I thought he was one of their better power play guys. It was one thing he did do well. So, you know, I, 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 I think there's a, there's a trade out there. I would still be surprised if he opens the season with the team, but we'll, we'll see, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of guys on the market right now. So, um, you know, we're we're sitting here July 10th and, you you inevitably get that shift as as the uh, musical chair seats get filled. Then yeah. all of a sudden, then all of a sudden bargains pop up, and guys who you don't think you you could move become tradable. Even some guys you, you didn't think were in your price range to add, maybe you get on a one year deal. So, um, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of been an interesting off season in that uh, been a, been a lot of talk. But remember, there were no. No actual trades of players at the draft. Uh, the the biggest thing that that's happened today, as we're recording this, uh, was the DeBrinket trade. So that that's, yeah. that's uh, and then maybe maybe some other things will fall in place after that. We'll see.
0: Yeah, when teams you know figure out what they missed out on. Then they circle back and create a new list. And at, you know, 50% retention on Tony Angelo, he certainly may become an option if it does fall through in Carolina. Perhaps they do sign Eric Carlson. We'll see where that goes. And our union with Brent Burns and Eric Carlson from the San Jose days. Uh, Bill Colesoff, they signed the goaltender. Uh, they signed the contract. with. this has created a lot of confusion online. You did a great article on hockeybuzz.com, really kind of breaking down the, the MOU, the memorandum of understanding. And, you know, the, there's a lot of hot takes out there. You know, I don't know all this stuff. You know it way better than everybody else. I'll refer everybody to that article. But were you surprised to see the signing of Kolosov?
1: I was surprised in of the fact that uh, Kolosov was just quoted about a week ago saying that he, he's going to play at least one more season in the KHL before coming. Now, he is playing one more season in the KHL, as it turns out. Um, you know, I, I thought about it at first. Yeah, uh, I, I really had to think about it, um, but then I thought about you know, you loan them over there for a year, which which there's precedent for the uh, Flyers did the did that with Oli Leake. Sell so they did that a few years ago with uh, Sandstrom, and you you view the the numbers game. Um, you know you have four you already have four goalies between the the Flyers and the Phantoms,
0: and you want them so, to play at the highest level possible,
1: right? And, and Kolosov you wanna playing you want to play as much as possible. And then let's say let's say you have Kolosov and, and Urson with the Phantoms. You know, and and uh, I mean it's good competition, but I he but I, you really want to have one guy playing as much as possible. Yeah. And if you remember a few years ago they had Kriel Ustamenko and he's he's not he's not as good as Kolosov. I mean Ustamenko had some talent. Kolosov is another level than that. Mm. Um Kolesov is a very, very good prospect. I would say even on track to potentially be an NHL number one goalie kind of a track. Um, he's already one of the better goalies in the KHL, the best player on a pretty weak team too. Um, so it's not like he's getting a lot of help in front of him. He's really, really good. Um, and with the with the blog today, I posted some video too. Um, even even when KHL games used to be on television in in North America on the Eleven Network, they didn't have um, you know, they didn't have uh, Dynamo Minsk on very often they're they're not a high profile team they're not they're not a powerhouse, but they'd be on there every once in a while. And the crazy thing was was that he was 19 years old and already already a starter yeah. in the KHL, and and you see him. And um, one video was just uh, about seven minutes of game action, so it's not just a highlight save here or a highlight save there. You could see just how square he is of the shooter, the economy of mo the economy of motion he has, how fluid he is. How he's on his angles, how he can make, how he can make second saves and, and fight for them, and he just he doesn't beat himself, and, and he's um, early like early in that game in that seven-minute video, he gives up a gives up a short-side goal, and he's beaten again the rest of the game. I mean, yeah. uh, he's uh, he's mentally tough, kind of you know. I mean, there's there's a lot to like about the kid. Um, you know, you you don't predict what he's gonna do in the NHL eventually, but but Izekiel has a real, real shot at being a pretty darn good National Hockey League goalie. And the Flyers have had interest in bringing him over for a while, actually. Yeah. So,
0: Well, the KHL, so, I mean, they develop goaltenders. He, he's kind of on that same trajectory at the same age as Sorokin and Shosturkin were.
1: Correct. Yeah. That, yeah, absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And he get here until 26, I think. But yeah. Yeah. And, and he doesn't have, you know, and again, he doesn't have the benefit of playing with the, with the top team in front of him, so. Which is which is good, which is good and bad, right? The the numbers sometimes are a little bit lower, but uh, you know, but he sure sees a lot of shots, and you know, is, is used to, used to playing with not much margin for error. So, yeah. um, he's 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 a really really good prospect. You know, I I would say if you look across the NHL, who are the top ten goalie prospects? I to me, he's in that mix. He's really good. Yeah. So you know, uh, so then you you know is and it actually worth waiting you want to get your before. hands on
0: him as quick as possible then too you know
1: exactly exactly so what is uh, what are the benefits of signing them this year the, the drawback is that you burn the first year his entry level um so you're looking at basically a two two year entry level um once he gets over here um one of the benefits though is that hey, you know Brady Robinson will have a lot of access to him. Because it's because it's a it's a loan arrangement. So part of the part of the agreement of the loan here is you know, our development people get get access to them, and they can, you know, so that that's definitely a positive. Um, and the other positive too. And I thought this was interesting that that, uh, that agent um, he thanked the flyers for their trust. In other words, trust that he will in fact make good in being over in a year. So. Um, you know, so uh, it, it's it's not the end of the world that he's over in the KHL for another year. He's already good in that league and better better that than figuring out you know, figuring out how much time he's going to get to play this season. The year after that, hopefully, he has a healthy, productive year. And then, and you can see because there's there's going to be less crowding too yeah. a year from now. You know, so that's uh, that's another piece of it too. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him um, if the games are more accessible in, in North America. I think there'd be a lot of people that the it wouldn't be just a name that was signed. That this is a pretty darn good goalie prospect that they signed. So that's uh that that was a a really nice piece of news on on what was started as done you know, not a great news day.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know the Fedotov situation would continue to monitor that. They didn't um you know accept that his deal was just told and it's all very complicated and we'll see where it goes. We just hope it's not kolosov Fedotov being pawns in the Mechkov game. So we'll see where that all ends up. But let me ask you this question because you know the offseason's not over. You know, we saw a signing, I guess it was last Monday when when Mark Stahl signed it. Kind of we didn't see that coming. Danny Breyer even said, you know, we were surprised that he was interested in coming here. Having played for Torch for all those years, he's played over eleven hundred games. And, you know, moves still could be made, D'Angelo at all. There could be even more. We'll see how it plays out. But when you look at this offseason at this point, did Danny Brier do more, less, or kind of what she expected this offseason? Did you expect maybe more subtraction, more backfilling? Kind of how do you look at Brier's off season here in his first year as the GM?
1: Well, you started with the big splash of the pro trade.
0: Yeah. So
1: I think that I think that raises expectations. During the cup final. <laughs> yeah, right. during the cup final, no less, yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, going to Nashville for the draft. And every year of the draft, there's always a ton of rumors, and the Flyers were involved in an exceptionally high number of rumors this year. You know, I, I think that the three subtraction pieces that they absolutely wanted to make, you know, is, is the top priorities were Provrov, Hayes, and D'Angelo. So two of those three are, have been done. The third one will still probably get done, if not Carolina, maybe with somebody else. Um, I guess the uh, the thing that, uh, you know, was a little bit disappointing, maybe of both sides, you know, they, they put out there that, that uh, Travis Sandheim was potentially getting moved, and that was rumored everywhere, and ultimately didn't happen. Now, was no trade kicks in, and you know, which is for his new eight-season contract, the first four of which are a total no-trade. Um,
0: now it's a bit awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, hey, it, how are you? How was your summer? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it is awkward, and um, not not uh, some players can handle it. I, I do think I do think Travis is a, you know, he's he's a pro and pretty easygoing guy in general. But it's still hard. He's never been traded. He's only been with one organization when you sign an eight year extension with a no trade, you sign that figuring you're going to be there for, yep. for, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, it's, um, and there's precedent for it too. Uh, both, both Mike Richards and Jeff Carter got traded before their no trades kicked in.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and it happens. It, it's a business, but that's, uh, that's something that's kind of a little bit hanging over the off season that, that they weren't able to do. Um, Backfilling wise, I I I think that um, uh, I I think they've gotten the kind of guys that they have wanted to get. Um, Hathaway being being an example of the kind of player who leads by example, um, the good guy in the room, good PK guy, and as a fourth line guy, gets you get you double digit goals a year. Not, most fourth liners won't do that for you. So that that, that was a nice piece that, and not in a crazy deal either. You know, a two year kind of thing. When you're when you're rebuilding, you do need to have some bets who kind of set an example. So that's uh, that I thought was a good piece to add. And and I fully I fully expect that Stahl will be a if he wants to move. And Dan Danny put that out there too. If Stahl wants to take another shot at the Cup, then they'll move him. They'll, they'll, they'll find a yeah. way to move him. Uh, I I suspect that that will be the case. Yeah. Um. It's a one year arrangement here. It's not like he, it's not like it's not like he's been here a long time. Where it's Feels harder to leave, you know. So, uh, I, he was just in a cup final this past season. So, I, I, I would think that that's the most likely way that this goes. Uh, you hope he he contributes some positive things to the team, um, takes some minutes to help some of the young guys step in a bigger role ultimately. But, but you move him at some point, and uh, you know, th- those have been the, the two biggest pieces, and 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 polling. I mean, he's a—he's kind of an in-between age. He—he's the same age as Tippett and Frost and Cates. Uh, so it's not like he's an older guy. And and at the very least, he's a pretty good fourth-line center. And maybe there—you know—maybe there's still a little bit untapped upside in him too. So that's—you um, know—that—that's one of the things they said they were looking at was maybe some reclamation project kind of guys. Mete's another guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's coming off of an injury, but and he's on a two-way. Not not a bad guy to take take a chance on a two way deal. Um, I, I even thought that not, not on waivers because it was, it was too much money, but with Zadina out there just basically being waved goodbye to like by, you know, by Detroit. And you know what? This is a guy who was uh, a top ten pick just a couple of years ago. He's yeah. shown flashes in the NHL level. Now that's a reclamation project kind of guy too. Now whether whether he's a torts kind of guy, I don't think I don't know. Yeah. But uh, or whether, you know, they don't have other options in front of them, but, but things like that. I think that's the kind of things they were looking for was either veterans who can play a role or or some young guys who maybe. Maybe there's something untapped still in them. So that was laid out before the offseason. Um, it's been what's happened so far. I, I think I think there'll be a number of people who say they'd like they'd like to see a little bit more subtraction by now. But but from my point of view, Jason, I'll say that unless you're in a situation like with Hayes, where they were just clear, they were just going to get rid of him, whatever the return was, that that was just that was a priority. Um, I I don't think you take, uh, uh, you know, on a guy like uh, a lot and, or especially at Konechny, you don't take a bad trade. You make a trade that makes sense for you, and if, and if that trade isn't there, you hang on to the guy. Yep, you know. So I, I think that's part of works. the
0: disappointment from some people. Bill is that you know we all see the rumor names that are out there and Lawton and everybody is convinced that they were offered a first and a second. I don't know that that's true, but um, and then they see Connect Me and they, uh, he's coming off a career year. You got you got to move him now because we're in this rebuild. But I I always make the point that you know first of all you can't buy into all the rumors. Number one because they're just that, and number two is you've got to have players at different points in their career on an NHL roster. You can't just have all, I mean, show me a cup team that's one with, you know, 90% of their players, 25 and under, you won't find it. The youngest team in the NHL to ever go to a cup was the Flyers, what, in 85? <laughs> and they were over 25 years of age.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And well, absolutely. And, and part of, part of the thing with a rebuild too, is if you go too young, even even the rebuild phase, not even the contender yeah, you know, you go too young, and, and um, it just sometimes doesn't seem fit to get. Look at look at Buffalo. They drafted a Compass. Yeah. yeah, you know, they've drafted a lot of really good hockey players, guys, are the guys that are turning out to be stars, and yet, and I think this might be the year that they they finally get into the playoffs, but they got to prove that first, and year after year, picking at or near the top of the draft, and. Getting quality players, but yet there isn't a team there yet, and um, or or not enough of a team there yet, and it you know, and, and we keep bringing up Edmonton and taking a long time for it. So you so you, you do you need you need players at all stages of their careers, connected being in that stage where he's in his prime right now.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting when when you look at the offseason. I, I know people. You know, because Tord said, you know, we got to subtract so many guys, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you just can't only you can only accomplish so much business in one offseason too. like you just can't, you know, turn half of a roster over um, in one offseason and expect, you know, all the deals to work out. And if you're going to do that, you're going to take some really bad deals because you're trying to do it in bulk. And I don't think that would be a good thing. But let me ask you about one more player here. And then we'll wrap it up on this one. Uh, But I was thinking about this the other day. I'm looking at, you know, certain guys on the roster, whether that's York or Frost, you know, Tippett, Farabee. But the one guy I'm really wondering about, what, what we can expect next season from, because I really don't know what to expect of him. And that's Noah Cates. I think there's so many variables here, like Sean Couturier's health and how it affects minutes and situations for Noah Cates. But this is a player that is obviously widely respected from the analytics community. We saw the work that he did against Connor McDavid in those two Edmonton games in February last year. I think there's more offense there, and I think we started to see it a little bit at the end of the season when he understood the role of playing the center position at the NHL level. But what do you expect from Noah Cates next season? To me, he's a fascinating player, and he's one of those guys that there's not a coach in the league that wouldn't love to have him.
1: Well, I, I think that uh, I think that even with Couturier, uh, I think that Cates will stay at center. You always have the option of moving him back to the wing, and I, you know, I, I'm comfortable really with I, in either spot, and I see the benefits to both. But I think he's going to stay at center. They like I him agree. at center. It's the, in, in you know, anyways, the more important position, and you'll sacrifice a little bit of forechecking and some offensive opportunities. And even even when he started scoring a little bit, some of that was on the power play where he was kind of playing near the net, so you know a, a little bit of a winger's role in that. But I, I think that um, uh, I think you'll see more of the same. Um, and and he's not a, he's not a numbers guy per se, but but I think that in a in a supporting role. And if, and you're right, so much of this depends on Katoria. If Katoria could take Close as normal workload, then all of a sudden you you're freed up a little bit more offensively with Kate And we we've, we've seen that at times that that uh, you know there's a little bit more there offensively. You know, could he be a could he be even a, a guy who flirts with 20 goals and, and plays really good two way game and plays in all situations? I, I don't see I don't see why not. Um, you know, I, I I think that a little bit of why. He, uh, this season he he's an arbitration case potentially is that you you figure okay well what what term and, and what cap do you put to a what he did last year, but b also what you think he's gonna do going forward um i I don't have much concern about it actually going to the arbitrator. most yeah. of these cases solve ahead of time. the flyers obviously hold him in in high value i think they'll they'll find a they'll find a term and a number that they're they're comfortable at, and I think that that will be you'll have the arbitration date set and, and then at some point before it actually goes, to the arbitrator, I think that'll settle. I'll be real interested to see what term, what term he gets. I think, I think of all the guys this year that are restricted free agents, that also includes Frost and and York. Um, I think they'd be the most comfortable going longer term with Cates and the other two, the other guys will go shorter term and kind of bet on themselves. And, um, take it from there but I but I think that um you know I think that at least from the Flyers point of view that Cates is the most known quantity but also still has you know he's, he can, he can still get better too so that's uh yeah, that was certainly one of the, the positives from last season and one of the things too you just, just hope he stays healthy that's all
0: yeah I mean the big thing for him I think is it's why Sean Couturier players like that like Sean Couturier as well are are ones coaches like because they can put them with a high risk offensive player and not pay a price often and I think that that could be a really good thing for Konechny if you have you know a guy like Frost where he can take on a little more risk and creativity offensively knowing that you got a guy that can defend uh, like Noah Cates can and if you have Kouturier to do that as well and that's that you're obviously a better defensive five on five team, all zones, uh, if you have both of those guys. We'll see about Couturier. We'll see about Atkinson, those health questions. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure those guys feel great and everything, but we got to see it on the ice. And you know, I know Coots really wanted to get on the ice last year. It didn't happen, uh, but we'll see how he looks in training camp Atkinson as well. Bill, great stuff here as always. Uh, check out Bill's work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll be back Wednesday. Riley Armstrong. Flyers director of player development, going to be our guest. Uh, Long sit down interview with Riley Armstrong, charged with bringing uh, bringing along the newest Flyers prospects. So that comes up Wednesday. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Wednesday on a brand new Flyers tale.